The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rain of Troy Radio. The very first ever video podcast. It is episode 435 coming to you on Monday, August 1st. We're going to talk about Pac-12 Media Day, which went down in downtown on Friday. And so much more here about the USC Trojans. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us now here on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansider.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC, second what's per show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along here in the Reign of Troy studio with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. We are doing this. We are finally doing our first ever video pod. It's a little wild, isn't it? It's it, a little crazy. It's crazy. We've talked about this. We've thought about it. And we never sort of did that endeavor. But uh, here we are. And I feel bad for the people listening on, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts because they're going to miss out on any visual bits. But that's all good. They, but, they have no idea what I'm doing right now. They can't they, they believe can't it. See I can't believe dance. you are doing that on camera. It's shocking, Un- really. Unbelievable. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you're listening, if if you're listening on a podcast app on like Wednesday, she's got like a clown hat, <laughs> a, a huge nose, like Mickey Mouse can, ears, and the whole bit. Can you imagine during the season when we're doing uh, like reaction shows that that people will be able to get to see my face as I'm fuming over something? You're going to become like a GIF and stuff. Uh, <laughs> please, God, no. <laughs> yeah, I would rather not. It 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 could happen. It absolutely yeah. could happen. Uh, so look forward to that as we go on throughout the season. Uh, SC obviously opens the season on September third, uh, three p.m. against Rice at the Coliseum, and that means after the game we'll be here to do a car cast talking about USC and uh, their potential win over the. Uh, the rice owls. We it, will we will talk more about that when we get there. If it's not a win, then yes, you should all then tune in. Everybody to the video. will be in that car cast. Yeah, tune 100%. into the video because uh, I my head may be on fire. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's get into this where we always start with uh, new reviews. We got a new one over on Apple Podcasts. It's five stars from XELA zero zero four one two. Sounds like a I don't know, like a license plate or something. I'm going with Zella on this one. Zella? Okay. (laughs) I dig it. It says, what the truck? Maybe it is a truck. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, It says, what the truck? How could a listener give you guys a one-star review? Doesn't he realize how this impacts Apple Podcasts algorithm? For future reference, he could vent in the comments and still give a five-star review. (laughs) I mean, true. Yeah. um, 
listen, we always welcome reviews. We we accept the opinions that people share. Uh, we we do also acknowledge that um, yeah, a one star review. You know, if, if you have a complaint uh, and you still listen to us, like we would prefer if you gave us like a four star review and we could maybe work to jump bump it back up to a five. A one yeah, does sure. impact the algorithm. But thank you, Zella, for uh, coming back in with the five star to sort of reset the balance there. Uh, the one thing that we, I am very grateful for is that every time we do get a one star review, we tend to then get a, a couple people at least who come in and say like, hey. I'm going to throw you my five-star review because we, you guys like the show. So uh, we appreciate that. And, uh, and yeah, so um, go and leave your reviews as well. Uh, if you guys got to give us one-star reviews, then we can't really help it. But we will, re- we will read it on the air, and then you, you may get people coming back and yeah. saying, what the truck? So. I mean, the right side, we're going to lead, we're gonna read the, every review yeah. that's, that's on there. 100%. No matter what. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Zella, uh, for the review. And as always, you can leave us more reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Five star and we'll be like your best friend for forever. Uh, but Alicia, let's get into the news. Uh, Alicia, the big news here is this is from the LA Times that Carol Fult apparently shut down the Pac-12 expansion talks last year. What's this? Yeah, this one is interesting. It's 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 almost savage when you hear sort of hear the headline. Um apparently there was a a meeting uh in the in the in the wake of Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. There was a meeting among Pac-12 sort of power makers where they were considering bringing in some Big 12 schools that had, that appro- had approached the conference about joining. And they're in the middle of like this presentation. This is all according to the LA Times. They're in the middle of this presentation about whether or not they're going to do the sort of pros and cons of these teams coming in. And Carol Folt like shuts it down, like straight up. It's just like, why are we even thinking about this? Why are we even talking about this? Um, there was a concern about like, you know, we're we're already having trouble with revenue shares and you guys want to add more people who are going to take a a share of that revenue, like she shut it down. And then a year later, (laughs) she is the one that spearheads uh, USC moving to the big 10. The optics are definitely, uh, uh, is USC the villain? (laughs) I mean, it certainly (laughs) looks a little like it, right? Like I think it's incredible that for so long, Carol Folt was sort of the enemy of a lot of the SC fan base. And we talked about it here on the pod. Like it wasn't undeserved. necessarily fa- fair. It was uh, super undeserved. Uh, and here she is. And I think that depending on what school you're a fan of, you absolutely can look at it and say, you know, Carol Folt is, uh, you know, not the, the best move here for the conference as a whole in the, the history of the PAC 12 moving forward. But as far as SC is concerned, uh, if you're talking about making more money after Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC, we talked about last year, what was bringing in Oklahoma State going to do? What was bringing in Kansas State and TCU and Baylor really going to do for the conference? So I sort of get it, right? Like, I, I don't think it's it's crazy to, to poo-poo that idea. Uh, yeah, that was sort of my thought, too, is is at the time, I think we talked about it and and, and – I feel like it was the kind of thing where there isn't enough clear positive movement behind bringing in any of these. Each one of the teams that USC that the Pac-12 was considering was, you know, I, I guess maybe you get the Dallas Fort Worth market, maybe, but not really because it's not yeah. like TCU is is the biggest brand in that market. Um, maybe you go for Baylor's money, but then there's sort of the um, religious aspect there that can get complicated. Um, there's always been talk of BYU and that comes with its religious aspect of, right. of dealing with this whole Sundays thing. Like there's just, there was cultural questions and all this kind of stuff. So like, I totally get why this wasn't something that USC certainly was going to push um, at the time. I think the only thing that could have saved this whole headache around realignment and everything is if years ago, years ago, Texas, Oklahoma, USC, Oregon, UCLA, et cetera, had gone full bore into 
merging the Big 12 and, and the Pac-12 and and going for their own little super conference that was going to be sort of controlled by the 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 USC's and the Texas's and the Oklahoma's of the world. There were a lot of um, th- there were a lot of hurdles to that though, and right. Texas was always going to be difficult to deal with too. So I don't know. It 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 just it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, and I think that the Pac-12 probably made the right decision not to, even though they because I well, don't think they could have imagined that USC and UCLA would leave. Like I think. What, what do you consider, consider the Pac-12 there? Do you consider the Pac-12 as it stands now, which is essentially the Pac-10, if we're going to take SC and UCLA out of there? Because if that's yeah. the case, then no. I, I don't think this is the best oh. move for the Pac-10 yeah. uh, or the, the leftovers of the Pac-12, right? Like, But at the end of the day, like I, if you're talking about SC being in a conference with a media market, do you want Manhattan, Kansas, or do you want Manhattan in New York? even though that's Rutgers and Rutgers obviously isn't New yeah. York's <laughs> football team. Exactly. But you know, I don't know. I just think this whole thing, it, I'm not even, and I'm not trying to be naive, but like, do I think that Carol Fult had it in her head at the time that she was going to green light USC leaving to the big 10? Probably not. I don't think so. So I don't, I don't know that this was like a savage move by USC. I think it was business as it was then and and business as it is now. Like I would love to know a timeline on USC and UCLA approaching the big 10 and sort of when that all started happening. Like I, that would be fascinated to learn that, but somehow I just don't, I, I get the feeling that if it had gone on that long, it would have leaked earlier than literally the day before it was going to happen. Right. Yeah. And well, when she shuts it down 15 minutes into a meeting, that makes yeah. it super easy to, you know, end this from the start. So uh, that's the latest report from the LA times that came out a couple of days ago. Uh, other news to get to here. Uh, this one may be more on the worrisome side. Uh, Malachi Nelson, who's now the number one recruit in the country in the 24 seven sports composite for next year at quarterback USC's commitment out of Los Alamitos. Uh, he's suddenly looking at Texas A&M and went down to college station. Is this, is this a concern? I mean, it, it's, I, I don't think it rises to concern yet. I think it's recruiting. I think that recruiting trips at this point are too big of a thing that like a high school kid can do that to, to get mad at them for taking a trip at this point. I, I just, I can't do it. Um, do I think that Malachi Nelson is in is in danger of flipping to Texas A&M at this moment? No, I don't think so. I think that any flip of Malachi Nelson to Texas A&M will take a long time and will have USC contributing to the reasons. Like if USC utterly tanks this year and things just don't look like they're moving in the right direction, USC is going to lose recruits. But the moment USC starts winning games, like these dudes are not going to are not going to be looking back. Uh, so yeah, a, a July visit to Texas A&M, it's not sort of raising my blood pressure at all. Um, would my, would it be better if he wasn't taking visits, if he was completely shut down and you didn't even have to think about the possibility of anybody coming in from Malachi Nelson? Absolutely. But he's the number one quarterback in the class. Like you'd be naive to think that he doesn't have a million people in his ear trying to get him to flip, trying to give him an offer. Frankly, it's USC's job to to keep him home. Like it was USC's job to keep a million other Southern California quarterbacks home. And they utterly failed at that job over the last few years. So if, if, uh, if Malachi Nelson goes somewhere else, that means that somebody dropped the ball at USC. That means Lincoln Riley dropped the ball at USC. He, he can't afford to let that happen. So it, it, it either happens and that's a very, very bad sign or, uh, right. or this is all just sort of summertime recruiting smoke. The, the way I look at it, you look at the track record that Lincoln Riley has had at recruiting quarterbacks. There's no need to worry here. It's yeah. So early on, if okay, doomsday scenario, if if he does flip to the Aggies, like I would have to imagine, there's going to be some sort of you know recoil to that, where SC would have some other option, right? Like uh, the other thing is he's the class of 2023 guy. Caleb Williams is here for the next two years. Like, I don't think this is anything to get overly worried about at this point. 
uh, just let things go, as you said, and, and see how the season goes. And if SC wins, yeah, they're they're going to have a million different recruits. The other thing is, even when SC has botched the the quarterback recruiting stuff, which you know over the last decade has happened, how how many times guys that should have gone to SC, Tua, Matt Corral, um, Bryce Young, uh, DJ, DJ, right, DJ like yeah. The list goes on and on. Tate Martell. Yeah, Tate Martell. Sorry, Tathan Martell. Tathan Martell. Yeah, like the list goes on and on of all those guys. Uh, uh, Costello. Like, KJ Costello. Yeah, like the list goes on and on of guys that nearly came to SC but didn't. But who did SC get in their place? Sam Darnold. They pulled Sam Darnold out of their ass, sort of, kind of, out of nowhere. Uh, they they get um, Keaton Slovis. Yeah, three-star guy out of Arizona, but... Keaton Slovis at one point was was looking to be like a day one NFL draft pick, and then SC couldn't end up developing him. So, Did, like, have you seen the list of the Heisman odds? No, for this, is, for is, this year is is he on there? Yeah, the, there are of the like people with top ten Heisman odds. There are four USC quarterbacks or former. There's <laughs> Keaton Slovis, Jackson Dart, Caleb Williams, and then a former USC quarterback commit in Bryce Young. Like. It, it's 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 incredible. So yeah, you're, you're again. If you lose Malachi Nelson, yes, it will suck. Absolutely, he's the guy you want. But like, it's not like Lincoln Riley is ever hurting for quarterbacks who want to come play for him. Like, you remember Jack Sears? Yeah, Jack Sears. You ever just like stop and think, like, and, and look back at like <laughs> the good yeah, old days? Jack Sears. Jack Sears was a thing. Yeah, Jack Sears was very much a thing. He was the next Sam Darnold until he wasn't. So yeah. Yeah, things have absolutely, absolutely changed uh, at quarterback. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's going to wrap it up for the news here. Before we start talking about Pac-12 uh, media day, which went down on Friday, uh, I want to dig into the chat here. Uh, we got a shout out from the College Football Bros. This is graphics are great. I'll I'll take that compliment. Thank you. Uh, John Bueller says, "Look at this. Look at how nice this is." Yeah. Uh, Matthew Moreno says, Michael, what hat is that? It's the, it's the Frisco Rough Riders. Yeah. Uh, out of uh, Frisco, Texas. One of the things I'm excited about is getting to do these, these video podcasts means people are going to get to see your massive collection of random hats. Yeah. Except it's going to, it's going to look like we're absolutely like the ripoff of tunnel vision where, you know, shotgun had <laughs> his backwards hat hats. Time. I'll have them forwards and all it's, you know, just two sides of the same coin, two times of the yeah. sides of the same hat. Yeah. Two sides of the same hat. Yeah. Uh, David asked, where is the dog? Sadly, Jesse is um, in her crate. She um, cannot be trusted to not <laughs> lay on the ground and <laughs> chew the things that are the loudest. Yeah. We learned that the last time we recorded. Podcasts. Well, last time we recorded it was your, it was your AirPods. Oh yeah, she was munch. she was literally munching on my AirPods, which survived somehow. But yeah, that uh, she she does that. But yeah. we bit. love her. But you know, she she uh, hasn't quite learned to be quiet enough to be a guest of the podcast. But one day, one day, maybe we'll have her sitting. She'll be on. right back there, yes, yeah. chilling out. And then you all can just watch the dog instead of watching us. That'll be nice. Yeah, and, and she'll call right into the to the rant line. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then also uh, Ross asked if uh, if I'm optimistic today. Optimistic Alicia is in the house. There you go. There you go. Uh, and with that, let's move on to talking about the Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, and the media poll came out on Friday at Pac-12 Media Day. USC picked third, picked to finish third in the Pac-12 beside, behind Utah and Oregon. The interesting thing, though, is there was a total of 33 voters in this. 26 people picked the Utah Utes, uh, who are the defending Pac-12 champs. Uh, 26 people. Only two picked Oregon and five picked SC. At SC, play is fifth. Oregon State fifth. Uh, sorry, UCLA fourth. Oregon State fifth. Washington, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, ASU, Arizona, and Colorado brings up the rear in 12th. Uh, Alicia, did the media get it right here? I think they did. I think there's too much uncertainty at USC and Oregon. Oregon lost some really big hitters um, in terms of, of their their players and also um, they're starting over with a new coach and 
you know, I think they made a very interesting hire, but they made a hire of a guy who has no head coaching experience, no lone defensive coordinator experience either. Either he's basically just a recruiting guru. So he has a lot to prove. I would I would be skeptical about Oregon hitting the ground running um, very well. USC has been super active in the transfer portal, but at the same time, they fifty four scholarship players have been sort of transitioned out of this roster. USC's brought in a bunch of guys who I think we all agree are intriguing, but aside from Caleb Williams and um, Jordan Addison, and and I think I personally put Shane Lee in this category too. Those are like the big impact guys that I'm very very certain will have an impact, but. The rest of them, and this is no offense to any of them, because I think everybody that USC added has some real potential. Like, I'm really excited about Brendan Rice and Romello Height from uh, Auburn on the defensive side. Could could be an absolute gamer for USC. But all of those guys are not like... USC brought in one Bolitnikoff Award winner. None of the other guys they brought in are national award winners. So, like... You can't bet on this being a storming turnaround of a roster that's been completely, uh, completely reworked. Um, right. Skepticism should rule when it comes to USC. Excitement. Optimistic Alicia is here to say she's extremely excited. It's like it's we're getting we're almost there. It's like I'm pumped to to see this team. I'm excited to see this team. But I think the media is correct to 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 say you know what? No, USC needs to prove it before we pick USC. To, to go toe-to-toe with uh, with Utah. Utah has Kyle Whittingham. We know what he is. We know yeah. what that team is. We know what they can do. Cam They're, Rising at quarterback. Cam Rising it looked great at quarterback last year. They have a system in place. They have good players. I think that uh, this is entirely there. And if if at the end of the year, USC or Oregon are at the top of, that, of, of, of the standings, good on those teams because they answered the questions. But those questions don't go away. Like they still exist. Skepticism rules for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you look at the poll one to 12 and I'm struggling to find any sort of complaints here. Uh, I think it's pretty tight. You have to put Utah one. Um, After that, I think it's a question of, do you go with someone like Oregon, SC, UCLA? And I'm fine with the order, Oregon, SC and UCLA in that order. Any sort of order, I think, is fine there. Um, and after that, everything sort of falls in line. Uh, Oregon State being ahead of Washington sounds crazy, but look how good Oregon State was last year. They bring so many of those guys back, too. Like the, I want to see what it's like for, for Jonathan Smith continuing already. He's like in year, what, five yeah. at, in Corvallis, which sounds crazy to me. Like, um, Yeah, you never know what to expect out of Stanford these days. I think Stanford, if anyone is potentially egregiously underrated it might be stanford um i think tanner mckee could be one of those quarterbacks that just launches stanford were they like three and nine last they were year, not though? good last night that last year but they they, I, they got all of their their positive plays in one game against that pretty much yes yes this is true Abs- and they will do it again this year by the way <laughs> yeah i mean i'm really interested to see what happens with Arizona I I did not think that they made the the right move by going with Jed Fish there but he seemingly says the right things and I really liked how they played last year they reminded me of sort of like of Colorado in 2015 the year that they were close and every game they lost by like a touchdown or within a score at least and Mm -hmm. then they came back the next year and actually won the Pac-12 South kind of feel those vibes from Arizona not that they're going to win the South this year but more so that they're going to be in games and really kind of test people. Um, so them at 11th, I think, might be uh, end up aging poorly if they can string together a couple of wins. But I don't know. The, the media poll in general, I thought, uh, went well as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I really can't complain. Also, media polls are a crapshoot. Um, yeah. It, there's, there's no winning. Like, no one wins here. If they get it wrong, it it happens all the time. If they get it right, no one gets an award. So right, yeah, yeah. And the media day as a whole went down on Friday, and you weren't able to go. I was. I went with our friend Jake Merrifield from the What's Bruin Show, and I gotta say, I don't know that you missed anything. 
it was like probably the most disappointing and and okay i don't i say disappointing impact of media days i don't know what my expectations were but it was just like a general mess session were you expecting like I don't a know, giant no. fist fight in the middle between no no it was just like i <laughs> i walked away and i'm talking to jake and i'm like i what did we learn here i don't i don't know i i don't know it, first of all it was at the novo theater in downtown which is formerly the club nokia and they did it in this I, weird way where I think that's where I saw thrice last year. <laughs> I saw Led Zepp again there, <laughs> but it, the, the club small. is nice for music. I don't know that I'd have a media event there, especially when there's, you know, lunch and there's a radio row and all that stuff. And they sort of just kind of threw those things in different parts. You kept having to take elevators up one floor but you couldn't take it all the way up to the other place. Like it was like you were in a video game uh, going through different levels. It was very bizarre logistically, but I digress. Uh, let's talk about the, the things that were said there. And I, I don't know that there's anything that is overall like surprising. Uh, George Klyovkov gets out and is asked about the state of the conference. And obviously he's going to be positive and look forward and talk about the good things because Pac-12 Media Day is about drumming up PR for the conference, right? And he's asked about SC and UCLA, and he, and, um, he, he gets to those questions, but he also mentioned it in, in the opening, saying as a conference, we are, of course, very disappointed by the decisions of SC and UCLA to leave the Pac-12 and a century of tradition and rivalries after 2024 that said SC and UCLA have been proud members of the Pac-12 for almost a century. Despite their decision, we cherish their relationship with their student athletes, coaches, staff, faculty, alumni, and fans. And for that reason, I personally have instructed everyone at our conference to make sure that the student athletes are given every opportunity to compete and succeed for as long as they remain in the Pac-12, which sort of led to the awkwardest moment of the day when he was asked uh, in the unlikely event that in the next couple of years, SCUCLA made the playoff. Besides money that the conference get, what would the benefit of the Pac-12 be? I, and Glyovkov says, well, they're Pac-12 schools for the next two years. We're rooting for their student-athletes, uh, to which the reporter from the New York Times says, why? <laughs> because that's the right thing to do, says Glyovkov. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I don't know. What, he, what is he what supposed, is he to, supposed say to say I don't. I don't I mean, the money that the conference would get from either of those teams winning the championship would matter to the conference. Yeah, like, of course. Could help the, the teams in the conference, you know, lift themselves up a little bit. So you can't, like, poo-poo that at all. Um, yeah. I don't know what else, what more you want from the Pac-12 in, in that scenario. Like, does, is it better for them or worse for them if if that scenario comes true? If I'm the Pac-12, yeah, I I want that money. Like that money, like there's no other. Yeah, 100%. Klyavkov can't say, like, he's going to say because it's the right thing to do. But like, in reality, it's like, would you turn down that money? Like, we don't necessarily get to control that. It's not like they've helped USC or UCLA win championships over the last, you know, 10 years. Not that they've been in in great position at any point. Well, at a couple points, USC was, but. Wouldn't it be better than the inverse? Yeah. They get to the Big Ten and then... They win, yeah. <laughs> then they make the playoffs and then the Pac-12 has no money to show for? Like, yeah. I, I I, don't know. It, it was you very, want, very weird. you got to want USC and UCLA to be as, as marketable and uh, as successful over the next two years as they possibly yeah. can. Like, you don't want UCLA and USC to fall off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, you might... Uh, you might laugh at personally, it, but like... Yeah, and, and, you know, I understand that the, the Pac-12 has egg on their face and i really do feel for klyovkov because i don't think this is all his fault it's certainly. not he, he seems um, like a good commissioner it, like it's, it it's sucks the culture of everything that was before him right like though it's not necessarily his fault he's the one that has to sort of deal with the mess left by um by the exit of sc and ucla but nonetheless that's that's where things are um and then let's talk about lincoln riley um Alicia, did did you have any first thoughts about the Lincoln Riley press conference at all? Um, I guess I have a question for you as the person who was in the room. Um, did 
is this like the first time where like someone didn't win the press conference? Not that he like lost the press conference, but like mm. what I've heard is just like it was like eh, whatever. Like it's not like he like like I, blew people out of the water with his I, with his you know charisma or anything like that. I don't know that. I don't. I'm not going to say that I don't know that he could have won the press conference. Obviously, it's it's back to a media day. Anyone can win a press conference I've, just I've by seen, saying the right thing. I've seen coaches every year yeah. win the press conference. I, I thought so. Chip Kelly won his press conference. Yeah. His press conference was great, and I thought that he deflected questions when he needed to. He answered them when he needed to. He did all those things. I, I think for Lincoln Riley, it was difficult because he gets saddled with all the expectations questions. And then on top of that, the Big Ten questions. And then stuff that he just can't either can't explain or has to explain in a way that makes him sound sort of like the bad guy in college football when he gets asked about going out and recruiting Jordan Nelson, uh, Jordan Jordan Addison. Why do I always mix the names? Jordan Addison. (laughs) It's two first Uh, names. It's true. Uh, Jordan Addison and... Uh, how that w- w- was NIL a factor? Was was this a factor? Was that a factor? At one point, he was asked about Kyler Murray and and what it was like to have the the four hour uh, study hall thing in his contract. Like there were a lot of things. The Pat Narduzzi call was asked, and obviously he's going to give a non answer to that. Like I don't know that Lincoln Riley failed at this press conference. I just. He, he got questions that he was inevitably going to get, and mo- a lot of those there wasn't going to be a satisfying answer to. That said, let's talk about the expectations. He was asked about them, uh, and he said, the people we brought in here, the whole staff we brought in here, we didn't come to play for second. We are not wired that way. We came here competitively, competitively to win championships, win them now, and to win them for a long time. That will always be our expectation. And the follow-up was, well, what is your expectation for this year? And he said, to win the championship. Alicia, we've talked about this on the pod extensively. We just did it last week about the expectations for the Trojans going into year one. What what, what, what do you say? Because you, I think you and I are in, in the, the mindset that, no, the expectation is not to win a championship in year one. But if you're Lincoln Riley and you say those things, what, what do you think? If I had a dollar for every time I heard a coach talk about their goal being winning the championship, even though that might not be a realistic goal, um, I would be I would have a few more dollars in my bank account than I currently do. Like it, yes. this is just like this is the standard line. And and maybe, you know, a decade ago I would have gotten pulled in with this about like, yeah, they understand the expectations of USC by saying they're gonna win championships. But like I've just listened to it one too many times. Like it it literally means nothing. Every coach is gonna say it. And they should. I'm I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Lincoln Riley has no business walking into USC and saying anything but that he expects to compete for championships because yes, that's why you take the USC job. Like yeah. when you take the USC job, especially leaving a place like Oklahoma, like you're you're doing so because you want to set yourself up to better win championships. Like that's the 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 long and short of it. So yes, come out and say you're, you want to compete for championships. Does that mean that I'm going to change my expectations based on that? No, because I Clay Holton said that every year too. Right. And we saw what happened every year with, with those teams. Like just setting that as an expectation doesn't mean that you have the capacity at this moment to do it. And as I've, I've said over and over again, Lincoln Riley could be the greatest head coach in the history of football. And I still don't think like Nick Saban in his prime could walk into this team. And I still don't think. That uh, that that this team was would one would be one that I I put money on to win the title. Like so many things need to go right. It's just I'm not going to hedge that bet. Lincoln Riley should be should be pushing that to the players though. That he has yeah. expectations of them acting like champion title contenders in their preparation. Which if they want to have even a slightly decent season, like if they want to go eight and four even. They need to go into the season preparing as though they are competing for that that kind of level. So, yeah, it works. Yeah, I, the way I see it, this is um, if you're a coach, if you're a competitor, obviously you want to win everything. Um, Caleb Williams was asked the same question, and he said that he wants to win every game. And then Shane Lee was talking about expectations, and he says that expectations are the best when they are set behind closed doors and not – and you're not answering to the expectations 
outside of the room. And I think that's probably the, the most um, objective answer like in, in total here. But the reality is that coaching is about motivation and you're going to get one of two things at the, in these com- press conferences, you're either going to get a, we're going to win a championship or, or B, no, we're not even going to talk about championships. We have to win today and then win tomorrow and all those things. Like those are all just ways to focus and ways to coach. So yeah. it doesn't matter. I like, I, I don't think the, I don't think Lincoln Riley should be judged on whether or not SC wins championship in year one, but if he wants to put the, the standard there, so that way he's never changing the standard, then yeah, of course do it. Like, absolutely do, do what, do what works as a coach and what is going to be a motivational tool uh, for you to get the most out of your players. You just need uh, to sort of pass this test. You setting that to win the championship expectation out in the media, that needs to be a daily sort of, okay, so are you doing studying like you want to win a championship? Are you lifting weights like you're doing so because you want to you know, win a championship? Right. Like, I tend to agree with the idea that you can talk about winning championships, but the real fact of the matter is players at USC should go in thinking we will win every game that we play. And I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. Like no. stuff happens and you might not win every game that you play, but this USC team as you know, uh, someone in the K cat in the comments says, this is not optimistic. Alicia, <laughs> it's like, I, I get it. I get it. I'm not, Certainly not this, I'm not pumping this. this I'm not pumping the sunshine, but I will say the thing that is always very frustrating about watching USC is that, you legitimately can go into 99% of the games and say, this is a game that USC could win. And if I were anyone on this roster, I would go in and see, I go down this schedule and say like, why couldn't this team beat Notre Dame? Why couldn't this beat this team beat, you know, every, every team on the, on the current schedule. Yes. This team could do that. They should go into each game saying we expect to win this game because that's the level that USC will want to play at um, what, what you want to happen doesn't always happen, but right. that should be the expectation for sure. And if you'd go ahead and follow that, then you do go on to win championships. Yeah. Yeah. I, and for, for me, I'm, I'm just amazed at the, how different the same message can be for everybody, which is yeah. every coach is all about preparation and not getting ahead of yourself, but also setting goals. Right but they just go about it a different way. Um, and I know that everyone loved to hate on Clay Helton for saying things about winning the Pac-12 South, but we talked about it extensively. It's the same exact thing that Pete Carroll would have said. Pete Carroll every year. Pete Carroll talked about winning the Pac-12, sorry, the Pac-10 more than anything else because you had to win the Pac-10 to go to the Rose Bowl, and then that's what you could control. And this is a different setup. And the other thing is Lincoln Riley said championship. He didn't say what championship. <laughs> he said the championship. He said That's the a, championship. They're, they're, what is the championship? Could, could it be, Maybe he just means beating UCLA. It's the city championship. The city championship yeah, could be the Pac-12 it. championship. Could be the national championship. Uh, could be the, uh, the, the cheese it bowl championship. <laughs> you know, you never know. It's, it's, a, it's an yeah. open-ended conversation there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alicia, let's get into the mailbag before we open it up and dive into the chat and get all your questions. Uh, you guys listening to us here on YouTube, uh, hit, hit us with questions. Put question in the beginning of your question uh, so Pre- that way we can see your question in the chat. Preferably in all caps, all caps yeah. question, because then it'll make it a little bit easier to, to track. I've already seen a couple people in there doing a queue or a question stuff. So you're on the right track, but all caps question will just make it a le- easier to not miss your question. If, if, if that's what you're uh, in there for. Yeah. Let's, let's start with uh, stuff we got offline first. A tweet from maskless says, I'm really intrigued with this kid. Tackett Curtis as a freshman. Do you see him starting as a middle linebacker? This kid's football IQ is high enough for such a position Congrats, Alicia and Michael, on your move from podcasting to live video. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Maskless. Um, do I see him starting as a, as a middle linebacker as a true freshman? I, I hope not. I, too, am very excited about Tackett Curtis. I think uh, just the moment I heard the Matt Grudegood comparison, I was I was all in. Uh, I love every little bit of information I've seen from this kid. So, yes, get very excited. 
But I'm also of the, of the opinion that there are certain positions that you never, ever want a true freshman starting. You don't want to be in a position where you have to start a true freshman at middle linebacker. You don't want to have to be in a position to start a true freshman at quarterback. You don't want ha to have to be in a position to start true freshman on the offensive line. You know, wide receivers, we've seen true freshmen go out and be incredible. Corners can can do it. Safeties, maybe not qu quite as easily, but I think you can you can have those guys come in and make that make that mark and and feel like okay, it's just because he's so much better. If you have Tackett Curtis as your middle linebacker, that means that one of the guys on your squad right now didn't develop the way that I would hope to see. You know, someone like uh, Julian Simon develop, or you know, right. Raylan Goforth continue to to move forward, or um, you, you know, there's there's some guys there that you just like to see take that role themselves. If Tackett Curtis is so good that he can't get can't get uh, on the field, if he can't not be on the field, then that would be amazing. It's just the chances of that happen like weren't you know. He might be very, very good, but you would need to talk about like the most generational player in the history of of USC football to, for me to say <laughs> that that's exactly what will happen. So yeah, give me give me a sophomore attack at Curtis starting, um, so that then we don't have to watch freshman mistakes. Like I just I I'm not interested in watching freshman mis mistakes if you don't have to. So anti freshman. I am. Yeah. For for me, it comes down to will it make sense? Yeah. Uh, if it makes sense, then yeah, go for it. If he's the guy, um, I'm interested to see what happens to his body. He like he he was what six two two fifteen right now as, as a high school senior in in Louisiana. Like yeah, there's a not not a lot of six two two fifteen dudes starting the linebacker in college football. So uh, he's someone who can play all over the field. Hence the Gruder good comparison. Um, I want to see what that actually translates to mm -hmm. um, and what it means in this defense. And I think that once we get a sense of what this USC defense is going to be like under Alex Grinch this year, then we can sort of have a sense of like, okay, yes, he's definitely going to be ahead of X, Y, and Z, or no, he's not because SC's got this guy and this guy and this guy who are playing up the expectations. So I, I think it's a little early to say. We'll, we'll see how things go from there. Um, Marcelo messaged us on Slack and said, how different will the offense look? Zone read, spread, will it look more or less the same, but executed and planned better? I, I don't know that it's going formationally look completely different. I think that uh, you're, you're going to see uh, tight ends split out wide. You're not going to see, you know, eye formation stuff. Um, but I think that expect to see more um, in terms of play calling, more things that involve the run game. Because one of the things that Oklahoma did so well under Lincoln Riley was run the football. And SC's running game was so telegraphed where they go into the pistol and it was obvious they were going to run the football. Uh, and you knew if they were going to run right or left dependent on, on you know, where the tight end was lining up, who was really an H back and all those things. I expect that that sort of telegraphed nature of the, of the offense is going to be uh, probably the biggest difference for USC going forward. Yeah. Like this, this isn't going to be a drastic change in terms of, like you said, the formations and stuff like the offense is probably going to look similar. Um, the execution hopefully will be drastically different. 100%, and, yeah. and like you said, I think the biggest change that we're going to see is it has more, a lot more to do with play calling um, and play design, play design, the yeah. timing of when they go into a certain formation and what they do out of it. Uh, if I, you know, I look forward to not having uh, the, the foresight of when USC is running left or right based on the formation. Cause I, should never be able to do that. I am not a tactical mind in the slightest. That should not be something that I was able to identify and I was doing it for, for the offenses USC has had over the last few years. So I look forward to being surprised by what Lincoln Riley does uh, because things are just designed better. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Top Charger fan says, with 54 players rotating out of the roster, so many transfers coming in, how hard do you think it will be to create cohesiveness within the team? I would imagine it'd be awfully difficult, right? I I think it's un. I keep saying this; it's unprecedented. I I yeah. don't I don't know how long it will take to have that many players replaced 
and everybody fit in perfectly, um, it's possible that that the cohesiveness will gel immediately because right. people are more on the same page and people are moving in the same direction. And, and it's sort of a fresh start with the new coaching staff, new strength trainers, uh, new assistant coaches and all of that kind of stuff. And that might get people sort of like marching in the same direction, um, especially because the transfers who have come in have chosen those coaches to, to join have been chosen by those coaches to join for whatever reason, what, whether it be mentality or, or physical ability. Um, and then the guys who stayed on the roster, I suppose if I will bring, you know, people keep saying I'm not optimistic Alicia today. Here, here's, here comes some optimistic Alicia. The guys who are still on the roster are there because they were allowed to stay on the roster. Like the only reason you have 54 players rotating out, is because there was some roster management there that people were told to go, which means that the guys that are there on this roster are the guys that they want to be there. Right. And I hope that that means that they're the guys with the right mindset and the guys with the right mindset on working together. That could be really jump-started quickly to get that cohesiveness together. Yeah, I think the cohesiveness comes together in that it's new for everybody. Yeah. And so it, it's not just going to be new for some guys and, and not for anyone else. It's going to be new for everybody because of the situation that it's a new offense and, an, and on a new team with new coaches and all that stuff. So that should help from that standpoint. Uh, last question before we jump into the YouTube chat here. Uh, SJ in Santa Barbara, USC beats Rice 24-21, scoring a last-minute touchdown to pull ahead. The Trojans struggle in the red zone. Having to kick three field goals. They failed to score in the third quarter. What does Alicia and Michael's first car cast of the season sound like, and how worried should I be? <laughs> Remember Washington a couple of years ago? <laughs> I, I, no, I don't think. I, I think I'll be disappointed. I think my refrain will be, this is what I was telling you guys on August 1st when we had our first video podcast about yes. how – you know, you can't know uh, how the team will come together. It might take some time. This is unprecedented. Um, don't necessarily get carried away by the hype. This team will have. Uh, It'll be to, a wake up to, call. To, yeah, this team will have to go through some struggles. So that, yeah, that, that will, it, it, it will be, it will be okay. It'll be fine. Yeah. The, the long-term success, I think, Matters is, is definitely there. It's day one is going to be the question mark. Okay. YouTube. Uh, Patrick says, will USC ever hope to be as great of a program as Ohio State? Uh, sir. Last I checked, USC had a better record against the Buckeyes than, than the Buckeyes do against SC. That's what I'm saying. Just, I haven't triple checked, but pretty pretty <laughs> sure I'm double checked. Uh, Jorge says, Alicia, have you changed your mind about situational mastery to your list of things to look forward to? Uh, I mean, situ situational mastery is a good thing if it's actually something that exists and can be completed instead of just, <laughs> you know, it's just like championships. Like, I, you can say championships all you want. That doesn't mean that you actually can go out there and do it. So, yeah, I, I love situational mastery so long as it's a show, don't tell situation. Situational mastery is such a good phrase that it sucks that it that was... That it was ruined? That it was ruined, yeah. 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 Uh, Josh says, do you think it has sunk in, sunk in yet the Big Ten fan, to Big Ten fans that SC is a vast winning record against the conference or they continue to pretend ignorance? SC is 69-29-2 all time against the Big Ten. Yeah, that, that record is pretty much speaks for itself. Uh, Alex says, would it make sense for SC to build a small campus in Indiana next to Chicago? Many Big Ten teams will be within two to four hours of travel time. USC can rent the campus to UCLA when they are not using it. There this, you go. This is even That's, better than the private jet. As like, long as it's not like Gary, I, I think that, that could work. I think this is genius. Like, you know, screw getting the private jet or whatever. Just go have like temporary living. You could... You could set up like a, a library where where the guys can uh, can have their sort of um, remote classes from, yeah, from the facilities. I, I think this is revolutionary. Let's do it. Yeah. The the, the downside is all the, the jokes SC fans have made about rural Indiana <laughs> um, because of play. Notre Dame <laughs> would backfire uh, just a little bit. Um, Salvador says, it, 
Is it a side-to-side setup, or are you guys using a background replication service? Uh, so we're actually uh, we're in the the simulation simulate. What, what is, we are in the simulation. What would you? We haven't finished severance, so maybe we shouldn't talk about severance. Oh, <laughs> or have we? But well, have we been severed into two different uh, something like that perceptions? Yeah. No, the the funny part about the setup is like it's a long table that turns into you, a corner at the end. There it is. Yeah, that works. That's one for the podcast listeners. <laughs> Uh, it was it was weirder when my camera's on mirror, yeah. And, and then we 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 did a test recording last week, and we sent that uh, to our friends in our in our Slack channel. And people were like, "I can't figure it out. <laughs> like, what what is going on?" Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And hopefully, in the we're, we have plans to do some decorating, so it's a little bit uh, there's there's more going on behind us. But yeah, we've got our little memorabilia tables T- and- today is the one year anniversary of moving into this apartment is it really yes it That's is li- literally the one year anniversary and we've yet to put up any of the stuff on the wall yeah we have a lot of stuff that we brought with us to to put up on the walls but um yeah we're we're, we're, we're not <laughs> we might be procrastinators so. a little bit uh matthew says quick question initial thoughts on pivoting to video um I think it's gone well so far. I what think it's think? good. I, ho- I hope the listeners are liking it. I think uh, I think this will be fun. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Alex says, um, well, that's the same question about Indiana. Uh, Tim says, aside from the number of wins, what do you need to see in order to see the season is a success? Shout out to Alex for resending in his question with the question <laughs> in all caps <laughs> as we asked. So he was just following directions. We, we see you, Alex. Um, as for Tim's question, the the things that we need to see are progress, um, coaching, uh, development. A, a development, a feeling that players are coming along by the end of the season, and that what uh, I guess my feeling would be that like the first month of the season matters less and less the further into the season you go, but like in a positive direction, because like there's a universe where USC absolutely blows out Rice and starts out four and zero, but then sort of falls down in the middle of the season. Like I wouldn't want to see that. Right. Um, just, just a, a general feeling that the team is coming together and that, you know, when they lose, that it's not a blowout, that it's because, you know, circumstances just sometimes happen the way that, that that happens and not that they were completely outmatched or outcoached or yeah anything like that. Or if they are outmatched and outcoached that they improve on those things, right? Like, yeah. That, that they address those things and, and get better from them. Uh, I think that would be, um, you know, a big hallmark uh, for Lincoln Riley in year one. Absolutely. Uh, Josh says, with it coming out that Oklahoma wasn't willing to drop money for bigger and better facilities per Lincoln Riley's request because the program was joining the SEC, will Sooner fans stop crying? I, I, I think the thing that's going to, that's going to, get Oklahoma fans over the whole Lincoln Riley thing is winning games and the season started and they're a good team. They absolutely will win games this year and probably still win the big 12. So I, the the thing that will rear it up is if SC continues to either have uh, either has success or fails dramatically. And if they do one of those two things, I think Oklahoma fans will be in their feelings either way. Michael, what year is it? Uh, 2022. How many years has it been since 2006? Fair enough. Uh, okay. Thanks. That's 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 my answer. Uh, Bradley, if USC wins the first three games convincingly, will they be ranked in the top ten? Yes. I yeah, so. absolutely. I, are you kidding me? Like, I think the pollsters are looking for any reason, any reason to put SC as high as they as they possibly can. I think the better question is, will USC be ranked in the top five? I'm already seeing USC ranked in the top ten. Um, fans, fans decided just put out a top 50, uh, fansided.com. My, my employers put out a top 50 with USC at number nine, I think. So yeah, it's, it's more, uh, will USC be top five? And my guess would be, yes. I think there will be losses in the beginning of the season that open that up from, from other teams and also any excuse to move USC up with Lincoln Riley yeah. and K- and uh, Caleb Williams running the show, I think will be taken. Yes. Yeah, the the other thing is like, I, as great as it is to, I, I think from a, the fan perspective, to root for a blue blood, 
there is nothing more, I think, annoying than Texas, Florida State, Miami, SC, Michigan. These schools constantly getting labeled being back and on, and then it turns into a joke, and then it turns into this. Like Texas is back, yo. (laughs) Yes, but but people joke about it. But also at the same time, people are so desperate for it to be real. Yes, that any sort of thing, and they're like, "Oh, Texas won again. Well, we got to put them in the top 10. And it's like, slow down. And I think that SC will absolutely get one of those things. I think if if, if SC comes out and beats Rice 52 nothing, they're going to go up like four spots in the poll. And that's going to be Rice. insane. Yeah. 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 Uh, next question for Tim. Uh, for someone who's never been to an away game outside of UCLA, what uh, road game or must-sees in the last two years of the Pac-12? Uh, I th- so we were talking about this Oregon next year as like a must do. You have to do which we haven't done. Yeah, so. we have to do Austin Stadium for sure. This year, Rice Eccles I think is a is a must do, especially with Utah at the top of their game, right? Yeah, and I I like Salt Lake City, so I think it's a it's a good um good trip for sure. Yeah. Um, the, the Weekender you can never go wrong with the Weekender. I it, okay. It, I haven't done all of them. So maybe this is a hot take, but like, is there a bad road trip in the Pac-12? The the only thing that's no, I don't think there's a bad road trip. I also don't think there's a bad thing. There's there's no such thing as a bad sports road trip unless you lose and had a bad time. Yeah, right. Like I I think that anything can sort of be fun, right? Like uh, Arizona Stadium in Tucson, maybe not the most fun stadium to be at, and it might be hot and all that stuff, but like. It's a good college town. They got good Mexican food. Mm-hmm. A little bit different than our Mexican food, but it's still Mexican food. Anytime you go to Arizona, just make sure it's a night game. Like Arizona, yeah. Arizona State, just, it, just make sure it's a night they game. They got Whataburgers. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Portillo's. Can't, can't go wrong with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ross says, a big fan of Kyle Ford. Where does he sit in the wide receiver rotation with all the studs SC gained over the offseason? Well, see, and this is the big question with all the transfers, right? Because... There are just a lot behind Jordan Addison. I think there's a a lot of questions. I think Kyle Ford could end up being better than Brendan Rice and and, um, uh, Bynum, Terrell Bynum, and and the rest of them that have come in, uh, Mario Williams or whatever. He could also be behind those guys because we don't know where they fit in in USC. We also don't know where he's at. I think I think he was certainly progressing, but we still need to see how he progresses from from injury. So. This fall camp is going to be huge because we're going to be able to get a little bit more of a sense of which of these transfers can actually contribute and which, you know, it, like I've always said, it's like a 50-50 proposition. Like some of these guys are not going to pan out for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I'm very curious about what happens with the right receiver uh, rotation because there's so many dudes that I don't know. I, I can't even guess like. I wouldn't be surprised if someone who was a stalwart last year, maybe like a Gary Bryant or a mm-hmm. Taj Washington, ends up maybe on the outside looking in. And not because they're not worthy, but just because there's so many different dudes. Yeah. I, I don't know. Someone's gonna get left out, right? Like the only thing we know for sure is that Jordan Addison is is wide receiver one. That's yeah. that's the only thing we know. Absolutely. And like one of like six dudes could be Number wide receiver two. two. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't exactly uh, no, uh, Daniel says it feels like SC keeps hinting at an alternate uniform, at least the retro stripes. If SC is undefeated going into the UCLA game, will they unveil them then? No, they no. should not do that. That would be a bad idea because you know what happens? Uh, let's just say hypothetically. You lose. You lose that game. You can never wear those jerseys ever again. Ever again. And don't you... You don't screw up the mojo. If you're undefeated, you keep wearing what what was mm-hmm. what got you all those wins. Also, in, in USC UCLA is also one of the great uniform spectacles in college football because of the colors. You don't need a special uniform. Yeah, it's it's like that's not the game I would do it for. Um, I am hoping we see those retro spikes, some stripes. Sometimes I don't think there's any chance it happens uh this year but i i would give know. i would give it a year uh p yeah. carroll's first year they wore they were wearing the stripes uh and then i remember going in the ucla game there were rumors about a new jersey for that ucla game and they ended up not wearing them until the next season which was the 2002 season when they went to the chevrons so 
yeah, things things can absolutely change in that sense. Uh, a couple more questions before we wrap this up. Uh, Alex says, would you rather SC play Oklahoma in a bowl game this season or SC play Michigan goal, Michigan in a bowl game? Uh, I, it's got to be Oklahoma, even though the, the storylines would be exciting for like 30 seconds and then probably extremely nauseating. So I, <laughs> I would only want to play Oklahoma if I felt very confident that USC would win that game because playing Oklahoma and losing that game is not a, a universe that I'd, I'd, I, I just you're don't. supposed to be optimistic I, today. I am. What are you doing? I, I am optimistic. I just don't want to deal with Oklahoma fans and like losing to them would just give them ammunition for another two decades. Uh, so I don't know. Hmm. I, I think it would be fun to play Michigan. I mean, I, it'd be fun to play either one of them. Either like one. The, yeah. You blue blood on blue blood is, is why is, is why you root for college football and why college football is fun. Big brands playing each other. Uh, last question comes from Samuel. What do you think of the 2022 uh, EA F1 game or any of the EA F1 games? Uh, so this is the second year that EA has been in, in charge of the F1 game, even though last year they really didn't have much development because they bought uh, Codemasters who makes the game like 18 months ago or something like that. Um, but this is the first one that, that EA had more of an input on. Uh, there's a lot of mistakes, but I don't necessarily think they're EA mistakes. I think everyone just loves to make EA the scapegoats. And my overwhelming thought about sports games uh, is that the problem with sports games and why they are they are never satisfying as a consumer is because they're on a one-year development plan. And as someone who has worked on an engineering team, uh, web and and doing web development and stuff like that. It, it everything takes a long time to put together. It takes a long time to strategize. A long time to wireframe. A long time to get things developed. Go through alpha, beta, and all those different testing things. Like everything takes forever. And so when you have this process where you have to put out one every single year because of your contractual agreements with the leagues it really limits your ability to develop properly and have features that are actually pushing the envelope and the game improving from year to year. And so people end up getting so disappointed because, well, when they go buy the new call of duty, it's gotten significantly better since, you know, three years ago when they released the the previous one or, or, or what have you. So I think that ends up making sports games inherently disappointing. That said this year's game, I think, much better than last year's, where last year's le- le- left off. But man, the the AIs pretty good. All I want is for them to take some of the time they put into making the graphics look utterly amazing, which they do look utterly amazing. Yes. But take some of the time they do in that, and put it into fixing the technical problems that make the game not fun. Yes, because like we're in a racing league, so like we 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 want to play this game every week. We right, want right, to, right there. A, yeah, that's my that's my rig right behind me. Racing thing. Yeah. Um, we want to enjoy this game once a week with our friends playing <laughs> like competitive races, and yet every single week there is something There's that drives something. everybody crazy. The AI being stupid, some sort of weird glitch that causes you to lose. You know, the the last weekend, um, the last week, my I had an AI run into me in the like literally run through the back of me during a safety car and damage my rear wing, basically ruining my race. Like that kind of thing is annoying. So fix the glitches and right. spend less time on the, I 100% agree with you, Michael, we would all be better off if these were on, you know, really re-release uh, the game every couple of years, but the money will not allow that to happen. So yeah. like, I get it, but that's gives me some hope for the um, NCAA Football game. The first year should be very good because they will put an entire development cycle into it. Yes. So I'm hopeful that maybe we'll miss out on some of the worst things that we see in other sports games because this was a game that was is going to have to be completely remade for the modern video game. Right. Uh, So hopefully that's a that's the thing that does it. But yeah, you know, 
who knows? They're still going to get my money. So that's, <laughs> and they know that. And that's part of the problem. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, that's going to wrap up our first ever live show here on uh, Detroit Radio episode 435. It's been a blast. As always, you know where to reach us. You can subscribe to us, especially here right on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the, the subscribe button. We'll be back next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star review. If you can uh, are on Spotify, uh, follow us there. You can follow us anywhere you can find a podcast. So we are there. Our email address is always reignoftroyatfansite.com and our phone number 213-373-1USC. Was I not supposed to do it a second time? Do we do that at the end? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Anyways, shout out to all you guys uh, in the comments and watching us with us. This has been a blast. We couldn't do it without you guys. We fully appreciate you. Shout out to Matthew and Randy and Alex and Tim and Everest and Ross and Samuel and uh, Josh and Bradley and Patrick and Salvador and whoever else I didn't miss. Uh, Who did miss. I'm sorry. Shout out to all you guys. You're all special. And uh, we'll see you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.